When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to another episode of the CHGO Fire Podcast. And that's all, folks. Another year gone for the sixth consecutive season. The Chicago Fire, despite MLS trying to put literally every team in the playoffs if they could. The Fire aren't in it. They are eliminated after a loss 1-0 to NYCFC out in Queens on Sunday. And so we are here today to break down what is, you know, just another another disappointing campaign, another forgettable campaign, much like the last several, Anand Basic of both MLS Multiplex, Men in Red, and elsewhere Hello. is here with me. Anand, welcome to the show. Great to have you on, despite the less than happy circumstances. Yes, I appreciate you having me here. Let's talk about what was just more of the same, it feels like. Yeah, so six straight seasons without the playoffs, the Fire finish in 13th place, the only teams they finish above are Messi-less Inter-Miami, and the incomplete and utter train wreck that was Toronto FC in 2023. So I guess on the place to start, we have to talk about this game as it's been unfortunate much of the season. It's unfortunate today. NYCFC won. Fire nil. Uh, no Gaston Jimenez. Yellow card accumulation, which was lousy timing given that Gaston had been playing really well yeah. down the stretch of this season. His replacement... Fetty Navarro, who jumps into the starting lineup after having not played soccer in two months. I won't lie to you. I maybe just hadn't been paying attention. I did not realize he was back. I was watching like two minutes. I'm he like, hasn't wait, Federico Navarro was playing, which I guess makes sense because it's the last game of the season. You can't be hurt for future games, so they had no risk re-aggravating it. But yeah, it was a weird break to have. Next it was Wandumbia, who has not really done much either. Yeah, and, and given that it was a game you knew you probably had to win, yes. which required you to probably score goals... I know Marin Holly Selassie might still be dealing with something, but I'm a little surprised not to see Fabian Herbers play deeper in midfield, Holly Selassie start on the right, and just say, hey, we need to score at least one, so let's put out a lineup out there that might concede goals, but we know at least they can get on the board. So, again, it, it didn't feel like the fire displayed the urgency until about like the 75th minute in this game of the recognition of, oh, yeah, we need to win. Yeah, I think the problem is it's also Frank Klopas football because mm. Frank Klopas loves a stay compact, stay tight defensively. I know Ruben of Hot Time always, or of The Lantern. The Lantern, loves to, RIP Hot Time. Yes, loves to tweet about how kind of anti-football Klopas likes to play. And in theory, it could have worked, but then when you have a man score a screamer from 40 yards out, which we'll get to, you got to throw it out the window. Yeah, so uh, you get Aceves starting at left back over Navarro. Uh, unclear if that's a tactical choice or the fact that Miguel Navarro had been racking up the minutes and the frequent flyer miles. The last two weeks, he played well. He uh, started and went the full 90 in a 3 nothing win for Venezuela over Chile. Huge win in their hopes to qualify for World Cup 2026, buoyed by there being more teams, but still got to like that. So we see Alonso, Alonso with Seves start. 
Um, that's only going to get sillier, the scheduling, by the way. MLS now going to these expanded playoffs with three-game series. There's an international break right before MLS Cup. because It's just in the middle of the tournament. Or the funniest is St. Louis has their first ever home playoff game on a Monday night at 9 p.m. local time. Yeah, you, you got to love it. The magic of whatever this is. Anyway, let's let's hit the highlights of this game. The first there, decent, there were highlights. There were, I mean, I, a few. No, I'm kidding. The first decent chance comes for Fabian Herbers in the 16th minute. Hits a screamer with his left foot right at Matt Freeze, former union player in the NYCFC goal. Uh, Sati Rodriguez nearly has a tap in after a great NYCFC move in the 25th minute. Shaq puts a free kick on frame in the 30th. Then an NYCFC goal is called back for an offside on Talos Magno in the 32nd. Basically, nothing happened really in the first half of this game. It's nil-nil, and at this point, it was still all to play for for both these teams because Charlotte were beating Miami, but Red Bull and Montreal were also nil-nil in their games. So there had been no movement anywhere really in the standings in terms of what the fire needed to do. And NYCFC still at halftime weren't it. Yeah, Montreal had been, I think, tied because they took the lead in that game. Which okay, 1-1, one, one, yeah. my apologies. But then they later balled it. But yeah, and especially the game itself, New York were the better side in the first half especially. But I think near the end of the first half, I think both teams did open up. And I'm like, we could be on for a fun one because obviously both teams needed to score. Yeah, well, in the fire, there were scenarios where the fire could draw and go through. That did not exist for NYCFC. No. They needed to win this game. Um, the fire get the first chance of the second half, a free header for Carlos Tehran on a corner that he bounces down and over the goal, a a hard way to miss that chance. And then NYCFC get the aforementioned screamer. Fernandez, just a whip of his left foot. Absolutely nothing Chris Brady could have done. It's it's a great goal. Uh, The fans at uh, City Field this time. Man, the fire do not like playing on New York-based baseball fields. This is now, I believe, six consecutive losses away at NYCFC, regardless of venue. So that's... um, it's a fun little fact for you. Um, the Fire only really get one great chance, and it's a Brian Gutierrez header off an Aceves cross. They sub in everybody. NYCFC pack it in. And NYCFC hold on, but it doesn't matter for NYCFC. Charlotte holds on to beat Miami. They get in. Montreal lose to Columbus. And then the New York Red Bulls get a 97th minute, 7th minute of stoppage time penalty kick in Nashville, who weren't playing for anything. They are the seventh seed. John Tolkien, the uh, American international left back, uh, gets the goal in the seventh minute of stoppage time to send New York Red Bulls into the play-in game. They'll host Charlotte tomorrow night. Who was booed? He was the one that was booed at Soldier Field, right? Yes, that, that is correct. Header. So I know the big highlight is the Tehran header because, as I just said, Klopas loves to kind of steal one. That mm-hmm. was the goal the Fire could have stolen. If he heads that into the net, we get one nil and everything changes. But obviously, when you only create one chance, it's hard to score that one chance, and you set yourself up for failure. Because what was it, like 10 minutes later, New York scores? Yeah. And then at the end of the game, the Fire did create chances because they had everyone in the penalty area. It was Kamara, Shabilko. Kutsias had been subbed out. Kutsias got subbed out, but Heli Selassie, Shakiri, Guti, Fabi. I mean, it's it's everybody up there. So, again, as I mentioned, the Red Bulls will host Charlotte FC in the playing game. We'll take a look at the final standings in the bottom half of the Eastern Conference here in a moment because... You know, the, the fire, when you see that 13th number, it, I think it really, it, it hits home that, oh man, this, it's, we were talking off Mike on, on that, you know, the fire, they didn't seem that bad this year, but when you, when you look at this, if you're watching on YouTube, there they are, New York and Charlotte in, everybody else out, that just pile up of teams at 41 or 40 points. You know, the fire were, yet again, 
one of the worst teams in Major League yes. Soccer, and there's really no way around that. I think that's important to highlight because you think like, oh, they missed the playoffs on the last day, but no, that's only because they said earlier, everyone in MLS makes the playoffs. If you're not making the playoffs, you're a disaster. And the fact that they finished behind D.C., and NYCFC, who were both awful this year. DC, who was eliminated already going into that the final match day. That was the That's one of the best things I've seen in MLS history. DC United goes in the final match week in ninth place, the final playoff spot, and they are eliminated from playoff contention because they'd played all their games, and Chicago and New York had to get points against each other. But that's a separate thing. DC was awful. We can all admit that. Montreal, awful. Charlotte were not as bad, but they blew a lot of leads. Had a lot of injury problems. They kind of had the double-edged sword of, you know, their best player, Karol Swiderski, becoming a regular Poland inclusion. Yes. And so he would miss games due to international duty and travel. So that got a bit harder. If you look at their squad, they feel like they are a better team yeah. than a lot of the teams around them. Sure. But yeah, I mean, Miami for 75% of the year was terrible. The worst team in the league. And then Toronto, four wins all season for Toronto. Just... Things could not be any worse up in Canada right now. John Herdman's got a task ahead of him. I guess, Adnan, the the question is, was there anything unique about the badness of this season, or is this just simply a continuation of the last half decade? That's a good question because I was talking to a good friend of ours, Jiggly, and you kind of go back through the season. There's very few memorable games or moments, really. They had the two away wins in a row in um, Portland and KC, there was the win against Miami, both home and away. Those were pretty exciting. But other than that, just a lot of games were just whatever, dude. You know? They won, and, what, two games in the second half of the season? Yes, that was bad. When you look at the form versus going into the League's Cup versus coming after the League's Cup, nine days. Six wins in seven, and then I believe nine games a goal, without without a win after that. A goalless run of three to four games? Mm-hmm. It was just a bad year altogether. They had a few highlights, but just the Chicago Fire never consistent other than being consistently poor. They just could never piece it together. If you're looking for one positive, the fact that you have two um, starting caliber U22 players, and Gutierrez and Brady, which we'll talk to later on, at least that's something good. But I, don't, I got nothing for you, man. It's not great. It's kind of, but it's, it's kind of like watching Gaga Slanino in the last couple of years. It's like, yeah, Gaga's clearly got a bright future in the game, but it sucks that you're relying on teenagers to give you hope. And that was kind of the case uh, again this year. So we will get into specific player performance, team performance, and more contextualizing in a moment. But first, a word from the sponsor of this podcast. Are you in the market for a new or used vehicle? Because if you are, we here at CHGO have great news for you. Ray Chevy in Fox Lake are proud members of the CHGO team. In talking to the team at Ray, they told us about their pledge, the Ray Price Promise, a guarantee that the price you see online is the price you pay when you go into the dealership. We've all had that car buying experience where you go in and the price you saw online came with caveats you don't qualify for, like maybe being a new homeowner, being a student, being a military veteran. With Ray, you don't have to worry about any of that. Other dealers might raise the price on you when you come into the store, but at Ray, the price you see online is the price you pay. No add-ons to the price ever and Ray will do everything possible to then find additional savings when you get there which might make the price even lower as one of the top selling dealers in the midwest you'll always be able to shop one of chicagoland's largest inventories and right now you can save big at Ray Chevy during their truck or treat sales event because 0% is back and now available on new Silverado trucks the perfect tailgate vehicle so come into ray chevrolet and fox lake and find the vehicle you've been searching for and best of all pay zero hidden fees with the ray price promise visit ray chevrolet and fox lake or ray chevy ray chevrolet.com that's ray chevrolet.com serving the community since 1963 
find new roads. Well, while you're finding new roads in a Ray Chevy, uh, the, the Chicago Fire ought not need to find some new goals because, yes. my goodness, the first thing we're going to take a look at here is the goal-scoring total for the Fire this season. And, who, buddy, it is not a particularly pretty sight given no. that uh, we're going to see Marion Holly Selassie leads the way with a grand total of six. Who is obviously a good player. We'll get to him in a second. But the fact that... Oh my, I thought it was below double digits. You'll see it on the screen there. I thought it was sub nine, which would have been embarrassing. The fact that you can't get a guy that get more than seven goals in a single season. Is that all cops by chance or is that MLS? You know? Yeah, I mean, uh, a, a fun bit of context because I was I was listening to something the other day about uh, that god-awful Stoke City team oh, nice. that Jordan Shakiri played for that got relegated and dead last in the Premier League. Shakiri was that team's leading scorer with eight. Yeah. So to, just to put that in context, this fire team was worse at finding people to score goals. <laughs> Hello, Jiggly, joining the chat. J John Jiggly Carrillo, our friend in the chat on the live YouTube stream. Yeah, so to put that in context, this fire team was more of an offensive just mess than one of the most notorious teams, notoriously bad teams in the Premier League in the last 10 years, which also included Jordan Shakiri. I mean, two of Haile Selassie's goals and two of Shakiri's come against Miami. So up until two weeks ago, the Fire's leading goal scorer was Kai Kamara with five. Kai Kamara has not scored a goal at all since June 21st. That was an, a League's Cup win, that crazy game up in Minnesota. He hasn't scored an MLS goal since May. This team just absolutely could not do anything to get shots off, to get goals, just offensively nothing. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of, like, pragmatic soccer. I like a defensive outfit. And if the Fire at least were a team that were consistently getting clean sheets and this was the way they played to get results, you can kind of understand that. But this was a team that tried to get goals. They were trying to play offensive soccer. They played a 4-2-3 once, a relatively attacking formation. And, yeah, it just goes back to, like, the very cursed image of before the season even started, the Ezra Henderson headline of, we are looking for a DP number nine striker, uh, 15 or 20 goal striker. They never got it. Ezra ended up leaving, and I think, I mean, that didn't help him, obviously. Kai Kamara was a good fill-in for a bit, but Kai Kamara always seems to kind of run his course at places. Kai's 38 years old. Yes, um, that's you know, you, well. you can't. He was never expected to be a go-to number nine, which is kind of what he turned into in the first half of this season. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk about a few of the specific players. This is going to be ranging in quality. Let's start with Jordan Shakiri. Um, Shakiri just 28 games, 22 starts. Five goals and four assists. And the thing, Anand, about that five goals and four assists that Jordan Shakiri had, as we take a look here, his expected goals plus expected assists, non-penalties, was 9.2. He contributed nine goals. So it's not that Shakiri was, you know, unlucky or underperforming. He just wasn't doing much performing at all. Yeah, we'll go back. Uh, FC Tokes is in the chat mentioning how many gimme goals Casper missed this year. That was a big thing, too. The Fire just could not convert like half of their games. I, I was lucky enough to cover the team, and most of the post-press game, I can't speak, post-game press conferences, either Ezra or later Klopas saying, yeah, we create a chance, we just couldn't score them. And when you don't have that DP number nine, it's hard to do that. But in terms of Shakiri, I know the stat there, it was so close to being one million per goal contribution which is not a good ratio. No, yeah, 8.15 8, $8. million, third highest paid player in Major League Soccer this year. 
Shakiri has one year remaining on that designated player contract. He does continue to start for Switzerland. Yes. Uh, something to keep an eye on, though, and be aware of going into next year is there's a Euros, which Switzerland are currently in line to qualify Should for. Make it. So if they are there, and especially if they make the knockout rounds, you're looking at a month, probably, maybe more, without Jordan Shakiri in the middle of the 2024 season. What's funny is you start talking about the Euros, and I'm like, okay, yes, you know, he wants to play ahead of that. And then I remembered that we're in the silly MLS schedule, which isn't as silly because obviously weather. But yeah, he would actually miss the season. I didn't even think about He's that. He's going to miss a big chunk of time. For the, now, we don't know what the MLS schedule for next year looks like yet. Uh, I believe they're not going to play the League's Cup because there's just not the time or no. the soccer stadiums. Hopefully, because they do love to force capitalism. MLS, yes. MLS, uh, Open Cup. CONCACAF Champions League, Olympics, Olympics, Copa America. There's just, there's not enough fields. There's not enough time. (laughs) So Shakiri's going to miss something. We don't know what, but he's going to miss something. Let's talk about one of the more positive people on the fire this season. And that is the 19-year-old who started almost every game between the pipes for the fire this season. That is one Mr. Christopher Brady of Naperville, Illinois. Chris started 30 games this season. Allowed 44 goals on a post-shot expected goals of 43.5, so basically right in line with what you would expect. 92 saves, a pretty good save percentage at 74, eight clean sheets, was the 17th player in the 22-22 initiative. I I think the thing is, you know, people want to hype Chris, and I think rightly so. He's a really exciting prospect, probably going to start in Paris next year for the U.S. Olympic team. Um, But I, I think you can be excited within context. So the fact that he basically allowed as many goals as he was supposed to this year, which for a 19-year-old who played 30 games is fantastic. Like, I I think that's the thing. Like, it is incredibly worth hyping up a 19-year-old goalkeeper for being a completely just solid, middle-of-the-pack starting goalkeeper in MLS at his age. And I I think, I, I don't want people to take that as like any sort of insult as... That's phenomenal for a goalkeeper. It's arguably, in terms of shot stopping, it's ahead of where Gaga was this time a year ago. Yeah, and I know I kind of value Chris a little bit higher in terms of like that average because, you know, sticks are different because mm-hmm. at the very least he's an above average keeper in MLS. But I think the big thing is after his early kind of struggles, I know there's a goal in Philadelphia. He had a few like The errors. Philadelphia one in particular was his. I mean, Gaga had the same yeah, moment. But the good thing with Chris, I think once we got past like week five or six, there was nothing from him. In terms of really bad goals he gave up, where you kind of watch, you're like, Chris has to do better there. It was just kind of goals he couldn't really do much about. I think the NYC game was a perfect example. He's he's standing there, he had a good game, but he's just conceded a screamer from 30 yards out. There's not much Chris Brady can do about that. And also, 17 is a sham. I have no idea how he's only number 17. He's definitely top 10, if not top 5 in MLS. I love Chris Brady, and I'm also a bit biased because Chris Brady's a great presence in the locker room, too. Mm-hmm. Especially for a guy his age. I'll openly talk about this. There would be some fire games. They had a tough result, and no one wanted to talk to me afterward. But Chris Brady was almost always there. Chris Brady would be there. He'd answer the tough questions. And he's the goalkeeper. He's not even at fault for some of these things. Hey, Chris, why'd you give up a 2-0 lead? I don't know. He didn't do anything. But, yeah, I love Chris Brady. Hope for the best. He'll probably – we talked about this off camera as well. Him and Gutierrez are probably going to be here another year, depending on how much European interest there is. But I think we know with Gaga – those two are probably leaving sooner or later. Yeah, and the market's been set. We've talked about this. The market is set on Chris Brady. If you want him out, you're going to probably have to pay a $15 million total package, similar to what Chelsea paid for Gaga Slonina. Yeah, I mean, Brady, again, the, that uh, that difference with um, basically no gap between his uh, post-shot expected goals against and the goals he let in was not helped on Saturday because that goal NYCFC scored was probably like .05 yeah. 
XG. So yeah, that that actually probably made it look a little worse than it really was. You mentioned him. Let's talk a bit about Brian Gutierrez, another Chicago Fire homegrown, the number five player, as we mentioned last week in the 22 under 22 list. Uh, two goals from an XG of four this season, which Fire fans won't be surprised by. There were a couple occasions where much like Casper Shabilka, who you expect maybe more from as an out-and-out nine, Guti's shooting boots are still certainly yeah. developing. I think this was really a season for Guti where when you look at his numbers as a whole, you don't come away all that impressed. But there were certainly games and there were certainly moments where that quality that potentially has jumped off the screen. And so I, I think it is still there. It's just, again, it's about expectations and what you can expect of yeah. a guy playing slightly out of position in a team that's struggling to generate a whole lot. That's exactly what I was going to mention. It's hard to remember, but he's also playing in a role he doesn't like, or he doesn't prefer. He prefers to be up the middle. I'd watch him in games, and when he gets to play in the middle and he's just driving up the field, he's a fantastic talent. I know Alex Cabrera loves him as well. And I think this year was a big step in terms of him consistently playing, consistently having good performances. Next year would be the one where he has to add more goal contributions. Mm -hmm. Because that is not good enough for now, but I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. He's got to have more than two goals and was it six assists? Yeah. Yeah, that should be bumped up a bit, but hopefully the fire can give him and also give Chris some help because he also wasn't playing with DP9. It's hard to create goals for a guy who hasn't scored since January or Casper Jaboko. Yeah, that's, that, that's going to be tough. And again, the hope is that we see both Chris and Guti in Paris next summer. Again, hopefully the fire release them, assuming both of them are still playing for the fire. So... This is kind of the pod part of the pod now we've been we've been waiting a bit to get to, and this is kind of the meat and potatoes of this episode. Let, let's talk some big questions. Um, the first one is, we agree, and I think everybody kind of who follows this team agrees, that the fire need to clean house in the sporting department. But there's there's really not any obvious candidates right now. So when, when you're thinking about what you would like to see from whoever that mystery person would in theory be, you know, is, is MLS experience the top priority? Like, what do you think if you're the fire? What's what's the priority here for when you go on this search as you look to try to, you know, hopefully plot a new course? Yeah, I'm not too sure about, like, technical directors and GMs. I'm not too familiar with that side of the game. But I know head coaches. And I think we're at this point where the fire really needs to get a former fire guy. Not even purely in terms of results, but just for the fan base's sake. We've had so many names coming through the door that people don't really know. I know Ezra was all right at some points, but, like, no one knew who he was before he came in. Paunovic was even though we do well with Serbia, relative unknown. The fire really need a fire guy just to give the fan base something. And I'll, I didn't tell you this, but I'll look straight into the camera. I've talked to Julie about this. The next, I got to say this clearly, sorry. The next Chicago fire head coach will be Chris Armas. You, I don't think, they think can, they're going to go Armas. I don't think they can get Marsh. Marsh is the dream, obviously, but I, I, he's got to be in Europe. I think they're going to settle for Chris Armas. Former fire <sighs> guy. He has ML experience. I don't like Chris Armas. I very much well, He might be a very like, nice man. I just don't oh, like yes, his soccer obviously. coaching. I have a whole story. I can talk about the Red Bulls. Um, Red Bulls Atlanta playoff game another time because that's a whole story. <laughs> Chris Armas isn't good enough, but I've got a feeling that's what the Fire going to do. It's a former Fire guy. It would be very Fire. That he would be a very some, Fire move. Yeah, and he has some MLS experience. He's not a great coach, but that's I'm just going to put that out there now. So when he does get hired, I'll feel a bit better about myself. But I think a Fire guy, and it's tough to say a Fire guy with MLS experience because I don't know if there's anyone out there like that. I mean, because, it's Armas and Marsh, I think, are the yeah. last. And then there's Razov, who only has assistant coaching responsibilities. But who was interviewed this last year when Ezra Hendrickson was hired. Ante Razov, who is an assistant of Steve Trundolos yes. at LAFC. He was interviewed, so it is not a stretch to think his name will be in the hat again. 
do you want more of just a purely MLS guy? I know some people have been floating around Bruce Arena, but we also have to figure out mm-hmm. his investigation because that's a whole other thing. He's, he wants the DC United job back. It's all very strange. That's fair. Um, my concern with MLS experience is more in the sporting director, GM role. Um, we've seen, because, I mean, George Heights has talked openly about it, that it took time for him to kind of really get his his head around and the string, you know, gear your recruitment and your team planning strategy to the way MLS makes you spend and the inefficiencies of it. That's why I was a year ago all in for give Garth Lagerway whatever he wants. Yes. Earlier this year for giving the entire staff at the Philadelphia Union whatever they wanted before they re-signed their contracts yeah. there. So I would very much like to see I me. Mean, you look at what happened in Cincinnati these last couple of years. I think it's really important to have somebody leading the sporting department who is familiar with how MLS functions. The coach, I think that's an added bonus, but I don't think it's as necessary because ultimately the roster is the most important thing. That's fair. And in MLS, generally, coaches do not have a tremendous amount of say and input. They are not doing the Alex Ferguson thing where they're out there signing players. Um, so I think... The, for me, whoever is in charge of the sporting side, that's a little more important than the coach. Chris Armas would be a very underwhelming hire, in my <laughs> opinion. I don't know if Jesse Marsh is necessarily the right hire from a, from a soccer perspective either, but I like him better as a character, as a guy who's going to just be kind of your motivator, rah-rah, get the fan base going, get the players, again, get everybody on the same page sort of guy. He's a good vibes guy, and, yeah. I, and I don't really see Armas as a vibes guy oh no no so no. i mean again i'm not really really specific i mean if you look around mls again arenas out there but i think that's a what about that idea josh wolf's in hot water in austin do you think if he's available to fire go for him Another i, I think he's worth, i think he's worth interviewing i think certainly he's kind of in that Razov pool of and not perfect um i don't want to see a first-time head coach so, oh, absolutely not. No, they need to get someone that's not like a risk, quote unquote. I, I don't want to see. I don't want to see Bastian Schweinsteiger. <laughs> I don't want to see. Don't want to see Michael Bradley. Sean uh, Maloney's got coaching experience. There's the one reference for you. Yeah, uh, yes, no. So I don't want to. See, I don't want to see one of those. Like an Ezra hires. You know, I mean, I think again, Ezra, super nice guy, didn't work out on the field. No, I, I want somebody who's been a head coach before. I think the fire. It's. I think the fire can be. Afford to be maybe a little safer on this hire. In the chat, we have Jiggly suggesting Emma Hayes. As a Chelsea fan, that's a guess after my own heart, but I I don't think that's going to happen, uh, unfortunately. Um, the next thing to cover is, we've, we've talked about it, but I think it's worth putting a bow on, fire-free agents. Uh, the fire only have four players whose contracts are up and could potentially leave for nothing, and that is Fabian Herbers, who's on an option, Kai Kamara, who is an unrestricted free agent and indicated to our friend Alex Calabrese the other day that he is done with the fire but wants to play one more season. More on that in a second. White Omsberg and Spencer Ritchie. Let's start on non with Kai Kamara. Um, Kai indicated he wants to play one more year but not in Chicago. His wife and children currently live in Kansas City. That is where they moved to a little over a year ago. It's his... American adoptive home, really. It's the club I think he's most associated with from his time in MLS. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a player-coach sort of role under Peter Vermes in the offing there. So Kamara, definitely gone. Yes. 
Of uh, the other three, I think it's fair to say Fabian Herbers is the one who's probably the most pressing for the fire to hold on to. Yes, and I, I feel like they'll accept him right off the bat. I don't mm-hmm. think he's making too much. You can fill him in in a number of positions, either off the bench or as a starter. I think the big thing is you want him to be off the bench, though. I think if you rely on him as a starter, you're not going to do as well, per se. But he's a great 12th man. Either, Absolutely. Either attacking-wise, if you're down a goal, or defensively, if you need someone to help cover the back line, he won't be too expensive. And he's a great guy to have in the locker room as well. He's a good leader, good mm-hmm. MLS guy. You need those in your team, off the bench, of course. The only guy on the fire who joined them when their logo was still the, the firehouse crest, uh, to give you a sense of how much the squad has turned over, Omsberg and Richie. Um, Wide Omsberg, kind of a mystery. A guy who played well last year and then got hurt. A guy who started playing well this year, then vanished again for less clear reasons. Got brought back into the fold for the last month of the year. Played pretty well. And then Spencer Ritchie, who's a great locker room character, a really nice guy, and seems to be content with the backing up the teenage goalkeeper role he has filled these last two years. Yes. So why I think we both agree, is a good MLS defender. He's solid. He's reliable. You can trust him. I think he's kind of like a, a B-type center back where you want a, a better, more veteran leader presence next to him, like a Shehos per se. But Wyatt Osberg is a good defender. The issue for the fire is you have Shehos, you have Tehran, you have Pineda, you have him, who, bless you, you've got <laughs> Tehran, Pineda, and Osberg all in that kind of like beat level too. Where you don't really, we'll talk about that later, but you don't want them playing with each other per se. You need Shios guiding them. Yeah, you need, if you're going to, if you add another A-level center back, Omsberg is an odd man out there because then you'd have Tehran as kind of your out-and-out backup and Pineda as kind of a Swiss Army knife to shift between filling in at center back and filling in in defensive midfield. So at the very least, I think you definitely accept him because he could even be good trade bait later on. If a team needs a center back, you've got him extra. Ship him out, get whatever you can get in return because we love Wyatt. Wyatt's a good player. He's again good guy, locker room guy. Spencer Ritchie is a little bit different. I'm fine with him as a backup. He probably doesn't cost much. He did have a few weird moments. I know he got chipped from half against mm. Columbus, which was tough. But I still think you can trust him as the backup and just have him be a leader for the younger guys. I assume it'll be Brady again this year. So yeah. that seems like a pretty simple one too, right? Yeah, no, I think so. And again, these roster decisions, uh, clubs, once they're eliminated, can announce these at any time. So the fire could make these decisions tomorrow. They could wait until as long as after MLS Cup. They just, they got to get it done before December 31st. It's kind of at their own pace. Speaking of other decisions that have to be made, we, we don't have a graphic for this one because it's these are a little shakier because information on this it's funky is a little sketchy so to be eligible for free agency in major league soccer you must be at least 24 years old and have played in the league for five years if your contract is up and you do not qualify for that the mls team you have most recently played for retains your rights you could go sign elsewhere in another league and you don't have to even talk to said mls team about that but if you want to play in MLS, you either have to re-sign with that team or your rights have to be traded to another team who you can then sign a new contract with. So like a restricted free agent in basketball, where it's kind of like they can match it. But like but ultra like restricted. Yes, yes. Um, so the players that we believe this applies to. Um, the first category is guys on one-year prove-it deals. That's Jeff Gall, the third goalkeeper, and Jonathan Dean, who came up from the USL Championship. Uh, I assume Jonathan Dean is going to get a new contract and that we'll hear news of that probably sooner rather than later. He proved to be the starting right back down the stretch of the season. He's not going anywhere. Uh, Jeff Gall, third goalkeeper. If he stays, he like, again, that, that doesn't really have a lot of import. 
Um, two young guys are the next group, and that is Kendall Burks and Javier Casas. Um, I don't think the fire will keep Burks, and I don't think they should keep Javi. He's one of those guys who was one of the part of that great group who got signed at the beginning of 2020, that group of young kids along with Brady, Guti, and a whole bunch of other guys. But he's a young, talented player. He's currently down in Chile with the um, Pan American team. Yes, yes. Those guys got to play soccer. They just yes. they need to be playing soccer. And so I think it is in the best interest of a player like Javi Casas. Let him go. Let him sign somewhere in the USL Championship, which is probably the level he's at right now. And let him go progress his soccer career because playing in you know MLS Next Pro, that's not doing any, anything for him at this point. Yeah, I've covered this team for a bit. I don't know about, too much about the youth players, but I've never seen him play. And that just goes to show the Fire don't really trust him at this top level. For his own sake, yes, you let him go somewhere, prove it in the USL. And then maybe he comes back. Kendall Burks, I assume, is like 24 now. Yeah. Which... He's a fine defender, but I think you can let him go and get an academy kid in. Yeah, the, there's the, the you've got enough depth at the right back and center back positions yeah. that he doesn't really solve anything for you. The uh, ceiling isn't as high either. No. I'd rather get like a, an 18-year-old from the academy, have him be like that fifth choice option. Right. Uh, and then the last group of these guys is the expiring loan deals. That is Alonzo Aceves and Marin Holly Selassie. I think fans are uh, pretty decided on this one. Holly Selassie needs to stay. Yep. Alonzo Aceves, thank you for your service, but yep. I don't expect him to see, don't expect him to be in a fire jersey next season. No, and it's it's a shame because he came in and him and Navarro ended the season on the same terms in terms of Miggy, and that's not a good thing for either because Miggy kind of regressed at the end of the season again, which was a shame because he'd been doing better. I was not someone that like really liked Miguel Navarro. And then the Charlotte game happened. Yeah, no, a few months in, I'm like, okay, Miguel Navarro has improved. And Mm -hmm. then, yeah, against Charlotte, he just takes out a guy in the penalty area. And he's always got that to his game, unfortunately. But long story short, it's just a shame that the Fire had two left-backs and Aceves and him are the same. Yeah. And at least you can get rid of Aceves easily. Yeah, you only need one of that guy. Um, Then there comes to, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, I I accidentally created a bit of conversation around this, didn't really mean to, but (laughs) Casper Shabilko. Casper Shabilko, we know... Is we knew, should have known, was signed through at least next season because he is MLS free agency eligible. At this point, as long as he's playing in Major League Soccer, whenever a Casper Shabilko contract expires, he's a free agent. When he was traded, as our former friend Pat McCraney reported at the time, when he was traded from Philly to Chicago, his contract at the time with Philly was through 2023 and the fire picked up the entire thing. I don't know how and I don't know when. But I do know that Casper Shabilko is signed through the 2024 season. That is something I can report factually that I've, that I've double-checked that we know for sure. So Casper Shabilko is signed through 2024. He is going nowhere, which prompts the next question. And we did a poll about this on Twitter. We got a lot of conversation about this one. Every MLS club gets one complete contract buyout penalty-free Every year. Great MLS rule, by the way. If the you just get to pick one dude. Just ship him off. No, no, you can't do more than one. Even if your owner has tons of money, you cannot no. just buy a contract. It's not one allowed. person. So, if the fire were to use it this offseason, on whom should they do so? Uh, I think I might have skewed the results of it because at the time I thought Casper had two more years left because that is what public sources indicated. Yes, those not pub- your fault. You're those good. public sources uh, are wrong. Um, <laughs> so, it's Casper's got one year left. He made just over a million this year. Shaq has one more year left. He made over eight million this year. 
Jairo Torres has two years left and made just over a million. So my initial thought here was agreeing with the crowd, was Casper, because you can't get anything for him. Like, he's he doesn't have trade value at this point. But I am more persuaded to the Jairo Torres idea because even though maybe, maybe you could get some value from him either by a transfer fee or loaning him out, you got to get that designated player spot free. Like, if you are stuck with Shakiri and you can't move him, like, you got to free up that spot. I know Usman Dumbia is probably not going to be a DP either next year. So, you know what's even better than one free DP spot? Two free DP spots. So, I, I, I'm interested on, on to hear your perspective on this one because I think there is an argument both ways. On the one hand, Shabilko has been really poor. But on the other hand, Jairo Torres would maybe give more roster flexibility. Yes, I think the big thing is the player you need to move on more from is Jairo Torres. The problem is you can also move on from him easier because there's some league MX team that'd be willing to take the bait for a one million, two million, or alone. just to get him out. Yeah, just to get him away. The thing I was thinking of, though, at least because if you keep Castro Bilko, you can have him as a third striker. I don't mm-hmm. know how upset he'll be. But, I mean, he was, what was he, like the fourth top goal scorer this season, technically speaking? Yeah, I mean, he can do the Kai Kamara. He can do what Kai Kamara was supposed yeah. to be this season, which is veteran guy, good locker room dude, back up the younger guys, assuming you have Kutsias and then a designated yes, player I was nine. Say, it's yeah, DP, DP Kutsias, Shabelko. Fine. I, as long as you're not, like, you you may not be happy with Shabelko, especially with, like, he's been done for the club. But it's a third-string striker. That's not going to kill you contract-wise. A, a young DP who just doesn't do anything. I felt bad because I always wanted to be a Hyo DeForest defender. I like the guy. And he kept getting starts near the end of the season, which I kind of felt like Klopas was trying to tell him, hey, prove it. Go be out there, do something. And he just doesn't He doesn't show up. It's weird. Yeah. So, no, I, I think that was, I think you're right. I think that was kind of his last chance yeah. to, hey, you're healthy, you're back, go do the thing. Please. N- nothing. All right. So we do want to get to a couple mailbag questions people sent in. We appreciate people sending in their questions. The first one is from Shy. What position should the fire target first this offseason? Are there any MLS free agents you would like them to sign? Well, we've got Brody Susky in the chat uh, pointing this out. Hoping if a DSP spot becomes available, the fire spend on a striker or something. Yeah, that's something is the idea. That's the, if the fire have that designated player spot. George Heights indicated to Tom Bogert this summer that Joe Mansueto set the money aside basically in the budget to go pay a significant transfer fee for a striker. So, yeah, that needs to be where they start. We talked about the fact that no one on this team scores any goals. Go get a goal scorer. That is step one. DP number nine. You said to me earlier, DP number nine, DP number nine. The issue I have is that do you go after, like, do you full send it in the offseason? Or do you do the classic MLS thing where a team doesn't sign a player and they say, we're waiting for the summer. That's when all the big names are available. The problem is you take that risk like you did this past season. Season might be right over already. Do the fire make sure they get that DP number nine in the offseason? where you have lesser options, or do you wait for, like, the dream guy? So I think, assuming they have two open slots. Sure, that's fair. One of them's going to be a striker. Yes. That's that's just a given. The other one, there you can debate over where you put that other DP spot because you can spend it on a winger in another attacking slot, but now you've got Halle Selassie, you've got Chris Mueller coming back from injury, you've got Brian Gutierrez. Maybe that's a little crowded now. The other place you can go with it is a box-to-box central midfielder. Yes, like uh, how Dumbia was the DP down the season. Yeah, but somebody less defensive. Fair. Um, so I, what I think I would want to do and would want to see is you got to get a striker. Full stop, day one, you need a nine. Yes. 
I'm okay if they don't fill that third and final DP spot in the offseason. Let the squad kind of shake out, get to the midpoint of the year, and then make this decision, where do we need to add most? Because if your winger pool is healthy, and you give that group of creators a better striker up front, that attacking unit can function, I think. So I, I think that's what you do. I think you got to get a striker in regardless. And then, but I don't think you necessarily need to find that third DP this offseason unless like the perfect guy falls in your lap. Like if there's an amazing Bastion Feinsteiger quality guy who wants to sign for your team, yeah. Best fit available like the draft. Go do that. Uh, as Playing With Fire says in the chat, the first half of the season doesn't matter. You're right. The no. Fire were terrible and a win on the final day of the season would have gotten them into the playoffs. So yeah, you can be pretty crap. For the first several months. Also, there's going to be a bunch of international tournaments in the middle of the season. You have no idea what kind of, you know, ringer your squad is going to get put through midseason. So, yeah. Inter-Miami would have won MLS Cup if Lionel Messi just stayed injured or stayed healthy. And they didn't do anything for the first four months. Worst team in the league. So, yeah. There's a good point from Brody in the chat of who that dream striker would be. Lewandowski's the dream, obviously. Lewandowski's the dream. <laughs> no, my my completely irrational dream that's never going to happen if MLS took all the shackles off and because this team has failed to really market itself well. Uh, my dream signing is paying like $30 million for Santi Jimenez oh, from Feyenoord, Mexican <laughs> International. That's fair. that's fair. Hey, and maybe if he played closer to Mexico, maybe they would start him in game. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's, if, you, if you don't pay attention, basically there's... Santi Jimenez is a young Mexican striker Incredible. leading the net, the Dutch league in goals and the Mexican national team, because it is controlled by the owners of the big six in Mexico, insist on starting Liga MX vets or former Liga MX stars over their actual best players. Yes. I don't even like Mexico. And as a soccer fan, it's infuriating to watch them start like Henry Martin yes. over Santi Jimenez. It Anyway, that's another show. Um, <laughs> also, Shai asked, any MLS free agents? You want the fire to target? There is one clear, clear answer here, um, and everybody knows it in the league. It's Kai Wagner, the German left back for the Philadelphia Union. There are allegedly offers for him in Europe, particularly in his native Germany. But literally almost every team in MLS should be trying to get him. He's the best left back in the league. You don't have to pay a transfer fee. And again, just the fire, as we noted, kind of have two attacking backup left backs. So you would start Wagner over either Navarro or Aceves in a heartbeat. Again, this is going to be a dogfight. Maybe the Fire aren't a good enough team because there's going to be MLS Cup contending teams going for Kai Wagner, but you have to at least try. The thing with Kai Wagner, though, I know he's going to leave Philadelphia because they can't pay him enough. Would he have to be a DP? I think it's be close. I think you could get him a Max Tam. But the problem is, do the Fire even have a Max Tam slot because isn't that Jimenez? Tam, remember that Tam doesn't really exist anymore as a device. <laughs> Max Tam is just parlance for max salary we can pay you okay. without. So would he take $1.6 million a year? That's basically, can you get him for 1.6? Okay, fair enough. And keep him under the DP threshold. Yeah. If, hey, if if you can legally, air quotes, pay Sergio Busquets $1.5 million, you can pay Kai Wagner $1.5 uh, million. Oh, Shakiri's talking about like legal DP rules right after. Yeah, that. yeah. Shout out to Jordan Shakiri for prodding Miami about not following the rules. Um, another friend of the podcast, Jake Payne, wanted us to mention, please touch on how the fire are 1-4-5 when Rafa Chihos does not play, former FC Cologne legend Rafa Chihos. And this gets back to what we were talking about earlier with the center backs. Yes. The fire have a lot of issues defensively. They've got a lot of issues everywhere. Rafa Chihos subbing out 
cannot immediately lead to a complete defensive system collapse, which we saw this year. And the fire's quality should be good enough that that doesn't happen. But it does. So the fire need to mitigate those circumstances. They can't be so reliant on Rafa to be a do-everything guy back there. Yeah, I kind of refer to it as like A-level center backs and B-level center backs. Where if you have a B-level center back like I call Tehran or Pineda or Amsberg, they're okay if they've got that A-level guy next to them. Like Shehos, who's kind of leading the team, being the, the voice back there, organizing everything. When Shehos is gone and you've got two B-level center backs, even if they're both individually good... And they just don't gel well. Neither of them is really a leader, especially when you kind of have struggles at fullback. We talked about left backs in issue spot. I like Jonathan Dean, but again, a USL guy, he's got like a ceiling of sorts. And a guy who wants to go forward more than he wants to play yes. defense, though his defense was surprisingly good, good this guy, season. Good guy, good um, guy. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, I think Carlos Tehran has the ability to be an A-level center back. He's got to stay healthy, though, long enough to prove it. Uh, one more from the chat, Pablo Martinez. What is the realistic chance that Georgi Mihailovic is playing for the fire at the start of next season? I'm going to give that a 25% chance. I Because if if the report that's out there is to be believed, he wants to be there, and a player wanting to play for a specific club is a big factor and a big motivator for that to happen. Just because the fire have so many unknowns in the sporting department and because, again, it just doesn't make sense, I, I think there's just there's so many other factors that would have to fall in line for that to happen. So yeah, I'll, I'll give it a 25% chance. Yeah. I think the difficult thing with that report is that it came so early in the off season. Even if you get him in now, he's not going to technically come to Chicago for a few months. Yeah. The transfer window. I mean, he's, he's an AZ player in the Netherlands. That transfer window is not open until January. Yes. So and if, if anything's going to happen, it's going to be a minute. The other issue is his best spot is in the 10 spot. We saw how great he was with Montreal, but you already have Shakiri there in theory. And the guy people want to see in the 10 spot is Brian Gutierrez. Which he'll arguably get the chance to do maybe during the Euros before he hopefully goes to the Olympics, which are a bit later in the okay. summer. Okay, so the Olympics are later. They're at separate times? So uh, Olympics probably. are July, August. Euros are sense. like June, July. So basically, in theory, the fire would be... Shakiri would come back right around the same time Gutierrez leaves. Okay, and I think the big issue with Georgie, unfortunately, is just where do you fit him? Because yeah. I don't know if you can get... Shakiri, Gutierrez, and Mihailovic all on the same team without kind of risking the balance elsewhere. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. There's a lot of questions to come. And here on CHGO Fire, we will check in during the offseason on any really big, crucial fire developments. Again, we anticipate maybe a new technical director, general manager, maybe a new head coach, maybe some new big high-profile signings. There's going to be stuff to talk about. Not sure exactly when we will next be talking to you after wrapping up the season and tying a bow on this unfortunate gift to the fire have given us once again in 2023 but stay tuned to at chgo underscore fire on twitter or wherever you find your podcasts and keep an eye out for more fire news and talk sometime this off season anand basic thank you so much for being here today to help me sort through the muck thank you that for was having 2023 me. yes thank you for having me i had a good time sign ola kamara just want to put that back out there. Sure, no why not? There. I'll, you know, we'll, we'll try anything. If you can score goals and have scored goals in MLS before, you can get a tryout with the Chicago Fire. Shout out to our man Joey behind the board. And that is going to do it for this episode of CHGO Fire. I'm Alex Campbell, and we'll see you next time.